When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to our podcast, Uriah. We are recording on Halloween night. Halloween. Scary spooky. Scary spooky. I got my own little costume going on. It's my lazy costume. It's basically just a t-shirt saying that it's my lazy costume. Uriah, did uh, Benny get to do trick-or-treating tonight? Benny, of course, is Uriah's dog. Benny, is he's recovering. He had a nasty cut on his paw. Uh, he did not do trick or treating, although we did get some trick or treaters. It's a little bit. The numbers were low this year, Lucas. I, I'd probably count maybe a dozen stops. So mm. yeah, so my doorbell rang twelve times, and that was pretty much it. Man, I'll tell you what, I I, my, I didn't take my daughter trick or treating because she's not feeling a hundred percent right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, but we drove around the neighborhood around town just to see how many people had decorations up. Barely anyone. I was disappointed. I'm calling you out, Nelson mm. County. I'm, I'm not count calling out the town because I don't want people to try to look up where I live, but <laughs> I'll call out the county for sure. Get some Halloween um, stalkers. Talk but you, hey, you know, it. you know what? This brings out the crazies this time of year. But I will say, I want to. Uh, it's my daughter's birthday on November third, so we got to celebrate it uh, nice. this past weekend. Nice. Had a nice, nice little party, as did it you, were. Did you bake her a cake, Lucas? Nah, nah, no. I did not bake the cake. <sighs> I'm not a, I'm not a baker. All right, next. But it, year. Was a, it was, a conf- it was a confetti cake. It was pretty good. Step, step your, uh, step your baking game up, man. Baking man, cake. I'm a dad. Yeah, I don't, I don't do that to stuff. Well, no, <laughs> I do. You know, I would like to. I actually like making brownies, so maybe we'll see. There you go. A brownie um, cake. You can make her a brownie cake. Ooh, don't tell me it was a good time, Uriah. Yeah. But anyway, we're not here to talk about brownie cakes. We're of course here to talk about the Sixers. Uriah, you want to just get into our last game here? Yeah, the big revenge game. Atlanta came into town on Saturday night, Trey Young and company. And uh, it was a pretty lopsided victory. The Sixers definitely held on to this lead. I don't know about anybody else out there, but even in the third quarter, Lucas, I was like, this lead is not protected. I'm still nervous. But for the most part, if you look at the stats, it was a really balanced performance by the Sixers. They had at least, I think, five or six players in double figures. No one scored in the 20s, believe it or not. Oh, I'm sorry. Tobias Harris did score in the 20s. But Embiid, their top guy, all-star, he only scored 19 points. Maxie had a decent game. Curry gave you what Curry gives you, the shooting. And the bench, Lucas, did did pretty good. 
But let me ask you this. Were you surprised at the outcome of the game? Did you think it'd be more uh, Absolutely. I, I'll be honest with you. I thought the Sixers were going to lose this game. Wow. Okay. Let me No, 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 no. It's not it's I mean, let me be Chris here in the pessimistic standpoint. And Chris of course is not with us tonight. Um it's just me and Uriah. Um but Let's look at this from a standpoint. We're missing an all-star caliber player, regardless if we want him here or not. That's not the point. We're missing him from the roster. Um, our star player is clearly injured, and we'll talk about him in a little bit. But, um, I mean, the, the supporting cast has been up and down and has not shown to be able to close out games against quality teams. So this outcome is very surprising for me in the fact that like, I wasn't expecting not only not even, I mean, I wasn't even sure if we would win, but especially a convincing win of this fashion against a team that basically, you know, gave us the business in the, in in the playoffs last year. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and they were full strength the other Mm -hmm. night. They had obviously had the Deandre Hunter was back Cam Reddish was full strength. So I was I was surprised that it wasn't more competitive. Well, they were missing Dang Gordy Jang is their third string center. They usually have He uh, played. He played. Well, no no no, I'm saying their second string guy, uh what's his name? Uh Onyeki that's his last name. Uh Kongu. Oh, Kongu. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 he's still out with an injury, but minus him you and Dang is a quality backup at this point. So it's right. not like, you know, they had a full, like you said, they basically had a full supporting cast. Yeah. Well, first uh, off, I had a, I had a feeling it, like, you know, that feeling like you get in your stomach, like after you, let's say you have something back in the day to eat and it makes you sick. And then you see it again. Someone serves it to you, you know, at someone's house. I had that feeling when I saw the red Hawks Jersey, it just made me sick to my stomach just because of what happened last, last year in the, the playoffs. The reality is, Lucas, is the Hawks could have made this a statement game. They could have came into our building. They could have rocked the house like they did back in June, but they didn't. They came up short, and Trey Young looked definitely out of sorts. They couldn't get a rhythm going, and it's not like Joel was this dominant force because he didn't even score 20 points, but I, I I was surprised that they didn't make this a tighter game. Well, I, I will say this. I remember seeing Nate McMillan quotes recently saying that he is worried about his team's chemistry. Uh, whatever that means, either personality or on the court doesn't matter. It seems like there is some struggling going on with that that unit there. So let, let's get into some specifics, Lucas. Can you give me two players that stood out to you in a positive way? Well, let me just take the two easy ones here. Let me let me take the two easy ones here. And I'm going to go with Tobias Harris. Had a double, another double double this season. Um, he's he's racking them up pretty quick right now. Now that he's allowed to crash the boards more often with Ben not there, mm-hmm. and um, you know he had 22 points, 11 rebounds, four assists. Um, point Tobias could be a thing in some ways. He he was shown to be initiator with the Clippers before he got traded here. In some ways, it looks like he's embracing that role even more so. Now that, you know, you don't have a true point guard. But speaking of Maxi, this was one of his better games. Mm. 16 points, three assists, really good efficiency. Eight of six from the field, one of two from the uh, three-point line. And he had three free throw attempts, which is better than what he did most of last year. So 
I mean, you can't really complain about what you're getting from him. No. Um, and just the defensive side, you know, he had a fantastic block too in the game oh, from behind. Right. Yeah, that was a yeah. nice block. And uh, so, you know, it's it's uh, you know, and uh, you know, he's starting. I think he's starting to get more comfortable in the role too. So we'll have to see how that develops as well. But what about you, Uriah? Any other guys that really stuck out to you? Yeah, there were two. But before I do do that, I, I do want to piggyback on Maxi. It's so nice, Lucas, to have a point guard that's unafraid of contact at the rim, mm-hmm. who can who can pull up from three without hesitation. It, it's just mm-hmm. so nice. And I'm not taking any shots at you know who, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying it's nice. And when he drives to the rim, he's learning angles. Like AI, when he would drive to the rim back in the day, he had angles that no matter how tall the player was contesting the shot, he would get it either scoop under to the point where the defender couldn't couldn't reach it or throw it high off the glass. So Maxie's definitely stepping up. Uh, my two guys, I got to go with Thibault. That's my guy. I know Chris likes to poke fun at me, even though he's not the best shooter. I'll give him that. Obviously, he's not the best. But defensively, he's a difference maker. Steals, deflections, blocks. I mean, this kid is can go down as a goat, and I'm not even speaking in hyperbole right now. So Thibault had an amazing game defensively, made a couple of nice uh, plays he did make this one drive to the rim Lucas where he drove left and he finished left so mm-hmm. he's he's gaining confidence with his offensive skill set the other player and this is directed at Chris who I think he was afraid to face the heat I'm coming oh no yeah I gotta go Shig Milton he only had 11 points but he was aggressive it was mm-hmm. his second game back he put someone in the spin cycle I, I, I don't know I, I, you're talking about that Thibault uh, lock on Cam British. So. Right? I, I yeah, he it. ran down and did the little spin Ooh, move to the layup. Yeah, I saw that. Nice. Mm-hmm. And his shot is a little short. It seems like he's he's getting his his push back from the three point line. That was and, and it was his second game. He didn't shoot great from the field, but okay. I mean, but it, he looked he looked comfortable. Exactly. Exactly. He looked comfortable. Exactly. Um, and I want to piggyback off of what you said about Thibault. Uriah, you want to guess what his defensive stats are for this season? I know he's top 12 of blocks. You you help me out. He is averaging 1.5 blocks and 2.3 steals in 21 minutes per game. Wow. That will get – if he can maintain that, even at 21 minutes per game, Uriah, I, it's hard not to have him on the first-team all-defensive team. I mean, even if he doesn't start, like <laughs> if he if he stays above two steals per game yeah. and around one point five blocks, I mean, how do you not keep him off? How do you keep him off of the defensive, um, you know, defensive stats? And by the way, you're right. His three point percentage is still not there. It's at thirty percent, like it was last year. Yeah. But you want to know what his field goal percentage is right now? Fifty two percent. Oh, okay. You knew that one. Okay. No, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, it's 52. Yeah, it's 52%. Ah, look at that. I'm in tune with my player. You know, I mean, he's making tiny strides. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what it takes. I mean, he's still young. But let's 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 close this game out and let's go with some players Lucas that came up short. Does anyone in this game came up short to you? Okay. So, it's not because he's a bad player or that he he's, you know, 
he's not performing to the best of his abilities. But I'm going to have to talk about Joel Embiid here. And I mean, you talked about this before the podcast, Uriah. Joel's hurt. Mm-hmm. He is hurt. I mean, yeah. he had the 30 point game a couple games ago, but like outside of that, it's clear that this man is hurt. Yeah. He's the yeah. lift is not there, not consistently anyway. I mean, like he's putting up numbers that he had like his rookie year right now. And it's, yeah. it's a little concerning. Like, I mean, I know he's probably trying to go for the MVP and he's trying to carry this team, especially with Ben not here, but like, if Ben's not here and you're hurt, mm-hmm. like if we tank a little bit, like I'm not saying we tank, but you know what I mean. Like if we have to throw away a couple games for you to get right, I'd rather that than you push it out. Cause like you're big, you're not going to last forever. Not in your prime. Your prime yeah. is not going to be like Shaq's. Right. Like you're, you, you, different monster, different game. You know, it's not going to be the same. Like you need to, conserve yourself because let's be real uriah joel's knees get bad he's an you know like and i don't want to go to this place but like i've been thinking of it like what does post prime joel look like oh no you just really put a bad image in my mind i'm gonna it is exactly that's my point though uriah like like what do we see him maybe a stretch five maybe five who's like average defensively that's scary. That's like Andre Drummond type play. But that's my point, though, Uriah. Like, that's yeah. why we have to avoid that for as long as humanly possible. So if that means we have to throw away games here and there for you to rest and get right, then yeah. do it. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm just being like, let's think about what yeah. that looks like in the future. Because yeah. that's going to be... I, yeah, I, go I ahead. made a mistake. I said, what did I say? Um, Drummond? I meant. Yeah, to you say, said Drummond. No, I meant to say Greg Oden. Uh, I wouldn't say that that's that that would be that bad. I that that oh, that's no cartilage in your knee. I'm thinking more like okay. Demarcus Cousins. Okay. Yeah. Like you know, I mean, he doesn't even have a job right now. Yeah. Which is crazy to think because like three seasons ago he was about to get a max contract. Yeah. My my player Lucas, who came up short in this game, is and I've been trying to pull for this guy. Every every season, I I I fall into the trap like, oh, he's gonna be the next Turkoglu. He's gonna be the next Manu Ginobili. But okay, Turkey, please stop with the Turkoglu no, comparisons. He has, the, he has the come on, man. It, no, Turkoglu six ten. No, 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 no. Turkoglu had better handles. He was a better defender. He is a better playmaker and a better three point shooter. I think that. Korkmaz is too young to to put him in a box. He could develop into someone great like that. But let me finish. So he's he's inconsistent. Here's what I'm wrapping it up to, and you let me know if you agree. Korkmaz will go off for a great game like he did with the Pelicans game one this season. Once a week, he will have – he'll light it up. And then the other games throughout the week, he just, I don't know, shoots poorly, t- bad turnovers – what do you think about that? Do you, would you say that's accurate or, or do you think it's something else? With if you said that two years ago, I'd agree with you maybe last year and maybe that will be the case further on. But I mean, he's had less of those bad droughts, but he definitely goes through highs and lows. Yeah. That, that, that tells me when players go through waves of success and failures as like, you know, especially three point shooters tells me that it's mental. 
It tells yeah. me that it's mental. And I'm not trying to call Corkmans out for anything. I, I, you know, I, I did that in the past. He's proven me wrong. I've, I learned better not to like dig Corkmans's grave because I'll be the one buried in it. That being said, there is a, like the guy can shoot. Yeah. Like, I don't think there's any doubt about it. The guy can shoot consistently though. Yeah. That's the issue. And I think at this point, and that's why let's be real. There's a reason why the Sixers were able to get him at five million a year for three oh, years. Cheap, cheap. That's yeah. cheap for a sharpshooter. And you yeah. know why it was cheap for a sharpshooter? Because he's inconsistent. Yeah, and he's I, not I need great a, defensively. I need Korkmaz minimum ten shots a game. If if he goes, let's say he goes two for five, like two for five mm-hmm. per game from three, I'm fine with that. But the other five shots, he's got to nail those mid range jumpers, floaters. The thing is, is is that we're seeing it this season. He's actually not a bad playmaker. He's actually kind of underrated looking at like the type of passes he can make. Yeah. And like, he's not making bad decisions most of the time. Like, and I just don't know if he feels comfortable having that green light from doc to do it. Or if he has the green light to do it, I think he should, if he doesn't, because I think he has that game. The difference between him and Isaiah Joe right now is that Joe not a playmaker and is limited to the three point line or dunking. Corkmaz is a playmaker has, um, has mid range game. Um, there, uh, Joe has the potential to be better defensively. I'd say they're about the same right now though. Yeah. Corkmaz reminds me of, I don't know if you were a big tennis guy, but Andy Roddick, you ever heard of Andy Roddick? Oh yeah, I know it's Andy oh, yeah. Roddick. Yeah. yeah so yeah, I remember yeah. Roddick. He was, he was always, just very competitive, very passionate, very good tennis player. And then you had the top tier guys. You had Nadal and Federer. Well, Roddick just seemed like he was so emotional. He would get so hyper, be so down on himself if he made a mistake. That's what Korkmaz reminds me of. Whenever he doesn't play well, he's so hard on himself. And he just has to, I think, bottle those emotions and just next play. <laughs> yeah that's that's that, but that's hard to do on the court like i can say for a fact like at, at, when i played in high school basketball and i know not nearly the same level but like it's hard to like go on from the next play sometimes no but what i'm saying is you don't have to express he outwardly expresses that like maxi or shake they'll make mistakes they'll turn the ball over but you don't see them pounding their like fist or sulking a little bit that i see that in Ferk. I see but the, the the flip side to that is when he's hot, that emotion energizes him even more. Yeah, but that's once a week now. That's my, <laughs> that's my assessment. It's once he gets I mean, hot once let's, a week. But, I mean, to be fair, he's gotten us two game winners because of that emotion. Yeah. And one, yeah, so, but I guess I understand where you're coming from. And there's a reason they were able to get him on a cheap deal. And, in, yeah. you know, in an ideal world, you know, he's like your 10th guy off your bench if right. you're a contender. Right, I see that. But I mean, at this point, he's probably the seventh or eighth guy. Yeah, and that's okay. But like, and especially without like Ben Simmons or the compensation for Ben, like this is this is what it is, and you deal with it. The luxury of having a guy that could go off on any given night on your bench is nice to have as well, because they have two guys in that right now, and Shake Milton or Corkmaz. As long as one of them goes off, you're gonna be in decent shape. Okay, so let's go ahead and switch gears now. And we're going to talk about uh, some young guys on the roster who just got their team options exercise. That would be, of course, 
Matisse Thibel and Tyrese Maxey Thibel for his, I believe, his fourth season next year and Maxey for his third. Uh, it should be noted that when teams exercise rookie options, I think there is a delay in which you can trade them. So that that's something to keep note of. Um, but Uriah, do we think that this makes them a part of the Sixers' long-term plans, or could they still be used as a trading package with Ben down the road? I would like to think that both players will be here for many years to come. I think both players have tremendous talent. I think their potential is is beyond what I think a lot of people would consider them for. But given the pedigree, especially of Maxi coming from Kentucky and Thibel being this already impactful player on a defensive end, potential to be a, a GOAT. And again, I'm not being over the top with that. I really do believe that. But the reality is, is once that term comes and goes, like you were saying, Lucas, about the three-month time period limit, I think... I'm not sure on that. Don't quote me on that. Right, right. Well, whatever's in the contract, if if it says, you know, two months out, three months out, that, you know, I understand that. But if if Daryl Morey's trying to move Simmons and it could bring back Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal in return... Unfortunately, we're, we might have to give up one of those players. But again, I would love for both of those guys to be on the Sixers for years to come. I think they're both going to be solid players. What do you think? That's so tough. It depends on what they trade Simmons for. I mean, if they get a player of equal value or like maybe lesser parts, like say CJ McCollum, then those guys obviously stay. I don't see the point of moving them right now. But if, for example, it's Damian Lillard, who's actually having a rough start to the year, or, um, you know, Bradley Beal, whose team is really good. We'll talk about that in a minute. Then you you got to talk about, you know, and it might not be just one, Uriah. I hate to say it, but, like, mm. with Ben Simmons' value right now, probably take both and picks. Mm. I know that's a tough pill to swallow. But you're gonna have to, you know, drink some water with it because it's, it's gonna have to be swallowed. And well, that 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 okay. Anyway, bad analogy. <laughs> Fine. No, bad you know, analogy. Some, some people, some people will try and take pills without liquid. I've seen it happen. I yeah. Don't know how they do um, it, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how they do it either. They're they're not of this earth. Anyway. Um. But my point is, is that it might take both, and it probably will take both to get somebody of like dames or. Beal's perspective but if you go for somebody maybe a little less say you know Zach Levine if he asks out which I doubt at this point or you know somebody on that same tier what I mean like yeah slightly above all-star level because Ben Simmons is you know ceiling right now is all-star all defensive like you know but I mean he's a good all-star but like you know offensively you can't it's hard it's hard to think of a trade for Ben right now because the teams that are bad, it's hard to think, are they going to trade their star? Like, you know, or it's, it's hard. It's, it's tricky to figure that out. But so Chris, and sorry, you're not Chris, you're Uriah. Get it. Right. It has been a long day for me, guys. I've been up since three 30 this morning with only an hour nap. And I am struggling right do now. Do I look like a do I look like a, a b ball Paul fanboy? Come on. Man. I mean, you are a Matisse fan fanboy, and all <laughs> fanboys. Difference like between Matisse and b ball Paul, but Chris isn't here to defend himself. But anyway, yeah. what were you saying? 
Yeah, one's a better shooter from outside. I'll let you guys debate which one. Uh. Would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. anyway, no. Um, so let me ask you this, Uri. Um, which player is more critical to the Sixers' success this season? Is it Maxi's offense or Thibault's defense? That's tough. Because, it is tough. Yeah, because, oh, man, part of me wants to say Thibault because he's the type of player. He's like, to me, defensively, he's like the cornerback in the NFL that the quarterback doesn't want to pass the receiver to because that that defensive back is is such a lockdown defender. Mm-hmm. And we saw that last season. There were some players who, in the crunch time of the game, when Thibault was out there, they kind of either passed it up or kind of hit in the corner. But Thibault's defense is impactful. Maxie's offense is impactful, especially each game that he grows and he continues to be aggressive, getting to the basket, getting to the line. But for this season, I say for this season, I say Maxie's I say mm. Maxie's offense because wow, off the fanboy yeah, bus. Just because Lucas, he's playing point guard. He's the starting point guard, and there's so much that revolves around that responsibility of distributing passes accurately, getting the flow of the offense, and of course, hitting open shots, which Thibault has not been able to do yet. So, I'm going to surprise everybody. I'm going to say Maxie's offense. Well, let me play devil's advocate here, just because I, I, I know it might grind your gears a little bit here. <laughs> let me think let me throw this out to you while it's important that maxi takes ben's offensive role as an initial playmaker mm-hmm. uriah you have been a proponent many times on this podcast saying that without ben thibault is the most important defender on this team yeah have you not i have i have so <laughs> so, made it so tough for me yeah so i'm gonna say it's thibault just because when you think about it this team without Thibel is going to put Joel and Andre into very bad circumstances. Because let's be real, Danny looks like he's lost another half step. Right. Tobias is average at best. Seth Curry's not a defender. Right. Cork Moss is a defender. George Nyang is underrated, but he's more of a power forward. So can't ask, ask him to do anything. Joe's getting spot minutes. Shake Milne's not a defender. There are other people that can fill that offensive gap. Mm-hmm. There is nobody that can fill that defensive void yeah. that uh, that Thibel has to take on now. Because Danny Green ain't it. He's yeah. not it anymore. I'm sorry. Thibault. Danny Green, like, my, my hand is hovering over the panic button right now, Uriah. It's hovering. He's, he's less few, than an inch away. He's it's had a at, few tip aways and, and nice defense. I mean, he had a nice defensive game against yeah. the Hawks. Like, you know, he had, what, two steals and a block, and he had six points on efficient shooting. But, like, there have been times that he's just been beat no, bad. Your, your point about Thibel being the most important defender, and I thought you were going to say that it would put Joel and Drummond in foul trouble. I, and I did. I did say that as well. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'll give you that. And that was the one thing that I struggled with. But I do think Maxi, in this case, for this season, I think throughout like the next couple of years, I'd probably say Thibel. But I think this year, I think Maxi. Okay. Well, that's fair. So, Uri, last question for for this part: Who do you think is closer to reaching their full potential? I gotta. I'm gonna go with Maxi again. Because, wow. Yeah, I know that's your guy, but I think 
he's shown that he's able to pick up defense a little bit faster than Thibault is able to pick up offense. And Maxi is a three-level scorer. I hate to say it. And I know he's not 40% or higher from three, but considering he's a second-year player, he, he has the confidence to take that three-point shot. And he has the confidence to drive the lane. His biggest struggle is making sure that he limits turnovers and gets the ball where it needs to go. Other than that, I think he's closer to his full potential. Thibault is going to take a little bit longer to get there. Actually, I'm going to disagree with you, and I'm oh. going to go for your boy now. <laughs> Look, at you. Look at you. Look at you. We're going for each other's boys. This is not fun. <laughs> but no, let me say this. In terms of Maxi, he's not a three-level scorer yet, Uriah. Let me tell you why. No. 31% from the three-point line this season. Like He'll have his good games, but Uriah, when he has his bad games, it's bad. It's going to get better, though. And it's going to get better, but I think it's going to take some time. I think it's going to take some time. He's only averaging three assists a game, too. We all expect that to get better. Like, he's going to get better, but I think it's going to take some time. And here's the other thing that we have to consider, Uriah. Dybul is already, and I'm going to I'm gonna say something that's going to make you very happy. <laughs> I think he's a Tony Allen-level defender already. Here you go with Tony Allen. I love me some Tony Allen, the grind Tony father. Allen's good, but come, come at me with some Alvin Robertson or Gary Payton. Okay, okay. I'm a little bit too young for those references. But come on, GP, come on. I mean, GP I know my history, life. but and I know Gary Gary Payton was the glove, but like I ha- I didn't get to see them play. Like oh. I saw Tony Allen do things to to uh Kobe Bryant that Yes, yes. I, I'll give you that. All okay. Right. My point being is that that type of all-level NBA defender, Thibault's at already. already. He's already mm-hmm. at his. He's already near his peak defensively, right. I think. But offensively, full, full potential though, full potential. Man. Let's, let me let me defense. hear this. You're right. Do we ex- ever expect Thibault to be a three-level scorer? No. Can he be a three and D? Maybe. Yeah. Yes, that's that's what Maybe. you have to be to survive in this. You this have time. to be, but get, what did I just say? What his three point percentage was this year? Three, uh, Thibel? Thir- Thibel, yeah. What was the three point did percentage? Say. I did say it was thirty percent. No, just you, like it was you last said that was year. Maxi, no, 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 no. Maxi's thirty one. Okay, Thibel's at thirty percent. And you know what the scary thing is? Mm-hmm. His rookie year, he was averaging thirty five percent from the three point line. Last two seasons, 30%. So it's going down. It's going down. Yeah. And that's that's the thing. Like the first year might might have been a fluke, Uriah. Like, and I hate to be Chris in this case, but I'm gonna pull a Chris. Like the shooting might not ever get fully fixed. And even if he does get back up to 35%, we don't expect him ever to be at 40% three-point shooter. You're proving my point is that he's further away from his potential than Max. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is his potential isn't that great as an offensive player. Oh. That's my point. I don't think he's going to oh, ever be like an above-average offensive player. Maybe he can be a not a net ne- neutral net neutral player on offense. I think that's his, his potential as an offensive player. If he can hit 35% of his three-pointers for his career, that's a win. That's that's a win because when you see great defenders like this, yeah, a lot of them really struggle on offense. Most of them are big men like Ben Wallace, Dennis Rodman, but you know you see some off you know wing guys too. Like you know, like I said, Tony Allen was one. Uh, 
before the injury, Andre Roberson was a guy that was really good defensively but could not get it together on offense. Yeah. The fact that he's not improving is a big red flag. I got yeah. you, man. Yeah. I got you with Tony Allen and all the other yeah. players. Let's talk about another great defensive player who's not playing for the Sixers right now. Okay. We're going to move on, and we're going to talk about the pros and cons of Ben Simmons playing for the Sixers this year. Last, I guess, a few days ago, Lucas, he was in the Sixers facility, and he was riding the bicycle. He's showing up, and he's practicing, I guess, staying in condition. But there's some some debate out there on Sports Talk Radio about – what would happen if he did return? And there's some people that are really bullish on that. And there's some people that are very reluctant to to admit that he might actually suit up. But let me ask you this. Um, what would be the number one, number one positive outcome should Ben Simmons play for the Sixers this year? Oh, gosh. I mean, the cynic in me wants to say he could get traded sooner. <laughs> Well, that's, um, that's a positive outcome. I mean, but that's not what I want to say. Right. Because this is a tough one here, Uriah. And you could go to, oh, well, they have a stabilizing force, you know, running the half-court offense for most of the game. Mm-hmm. Cool. They, it would improve the perimeter defense. Also cool. Less stress on Joel, you know, protecting the interior. I don't know. You're right. I don't like, 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 I'm, I'm really like, I mean, you could choose, you can pick and choose saying, Oh, he improved this area of the game or this area in the game. But for every improvement, there's always a negative. So I, I don't know if there, I think I am going to go with my sin cool answer and just say that it would help him get traded sooner. Yeah. I, I'm going to agree with you with this. I think that if he does play, it will definitely raise his trade value just because he's going to show off all of his defensive prowess. He'll show off his vision, his passing. And if he's smart, he'll shoot maybe a couple of jumpers per game just to show that he's willing to do that for his next team. Of course, there's the the triple doubles that he's more likely to get if he were fast break team. points. Right, right, right. So I think the positive would be him getting his trade value up which would in turn make him uh, more tradable. And it would help the Sixers grab a few easier wins too. Right, right, right. Yeah. So let's get to the, (laughs) let's get to the negative part. What what would be the worst thing, Lucas, that could happen if he did play for Philly? Several guys would regress. Guys like Maxi, guys like Shake. That's a good one. That's a good point. And Cork Maz, I mean, it could it, it it would basically make it impossible to play Drummond too, right? Because you can't play Drummond and Ben out, yeah. Unless you want to see Drummond hoist threes. I mean, he's willing to do it, but I don't think anybody wants that. Um, it could hurt a lot of other players' games and their confidence, and it could mess up the chemistry that has been built up to this point. Yeah. I think that that's that's what you're worried about, and not even him being like a dis- Malcolm tempt or anything. Mm-hmm. It could just be as simple as he's taking minutes and touches away from these other guys who are start- starting now to show development in their games, mm-hmm. and that's something that the Sixers, you know, might not want to have. Ha- I mean, obviously they they want Ben on the court to improve his trade value. We've said this, but then you know the net the negative is that could destroy some of the personal confidence of these players 
destroy the the chemistry of in the you know flow of the team as well. And instead of adding wins, it could it might even add more losses depending on how the players get meshed with Ben. Be honest. Yeah, yeah. I I, I didn't even think of that. The whole idea. What, of what was what was your what was your thought? Well, I was just going to say it was a good point that those players losing minutes is going to cause them to regress and kind of cause their momentum to halt. But I think for me, the biggest thing that that could really blow up the the Sixers' hopes this season because they are still a, a playoff contending team. They may not yeah. be in the top three or four, but they I, I I I mean, you're right. I don't feel good about these four. I mean, three out of these four ones, I don't feel good about. Right. We talked. Me and Chris talked about it on the last pod. This could be the Sixers could be a playing team. When right. This is all said and done. Right. And what can make it worse is let's say he does come back. He comes mm-hmm. back and let's say he has one or two good games and things seem to be going really well. And then all it takes is that one little locker room conflict, that tension. And, and everything snaps. Everything. And, there's no... and it's a snowball effect. You know, mm-hmm. maybe him and Joel get into it after a game or maybe during a game, maybe someone's rolling their eyes and then. You know, the media likes to come out. Or Ben just doesn't seem engaged during, like, timeouts. Right, right. And I think a team that has playoff aspirations, whether they're a playing team or not, they're going to look at that and they're going to resent Ben, and then it's going to be downhill from there. So Mm -hmm. on top of the regression, like you said, I think it would really be bad because there could be uh, some tension that can't be salvageable. Well, I'll say this. If Ben's serious about his mental health, which I hope he is, I don't think he'll come back if he's not mentally ready to be completely checked in. Mm-hmm. If he's serious about his mental health, I'm hoping that he is. Otherwise this is just makes him look like a terrible person, not just a basketball player, but as a terrible person. But mm-hmm. um, I think, and you know, you heard me say this, he needed to see sports psychologists. He's getting the medical help that he needs now, which I'm very happy about. I think this is exactly what he needed from the start. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we've seen it do wonders for guys like Kevin Love, DeMar DeRozan, Metal World Peace. Mm-hmm. Or what, what is his name now? He changed it again. I don't even know. <laughs> is it Ron World Peace or it's, is it World it's, it's Facebook. Artest, or I don't it's know. Facebook now. Who knows? <laughs> Meta Facebook. No, look, so, so I'm glad you brought up the, the mental illness uh that whole issue that uh has been brought up now and and we'll never know we can't diagnose him no one's a professional in here but uh when i had my before the game on saturday i had a a clubhouse meeting and a couple guys came into the room and one of them worked in the the healthcare industry with with young people and you know in terms of their mental state and he is a sixers fan and he believes that uh the sixers should give him another chance he try to emphasize how challenging it is for someone to wear their emotions on their sleeves and admit that they have a problem mentally. And so he was definitely on board with that. There's another guy who comes into my clubhouse uh, meeting named Maurice and he kind of agrees with me. It's like, look, like this guy's had too many chances, let him go somewhere else and, and get better or whatever. But it's, it's not an easy thing to deal with. And I think Maury has his hands tied. It's going to be really difficult to move him. I, yeah, honestly, and I think that's why they've been so adamant about bringing him back because it might be too much to move him right now. Like he yeah. might he might have to prove he's meant 
like not just as a basketball player, you know, what he can do on the court. But I think at this point, Uriah, it's it's more of are you mentally able to play in this league? Yeah. With the pressure that it brings, especially during the postseason. Are you yeah. able to mentally be ready? And I think last off, postseason was a big gut punch for that that uh for Ben in that regard. And, and look at look at the pressure, Lucas, of his peers, the people that the players that were drafted with him, Jalen Brown and, and Jamal Murray. Brent, yeah. All of those players are getting better. And if he looks around and says, Oh man, I, these guys are just taking off. What, what am I doing? He might kind of be frozen in his own, like paralyzed in his own like mental box. Like he can't and, and like, you know, I'm sympathetic towards. Yeah. Like, yeah, I get that. Yeah. And like, like I said, I think he needs, you know, I said this, I think he needs to talk to his boy psychiatrist and, you know, I think if, if he can come back, I mean, like I, if we, last time you were on the pod, I said the fact that he's admitting this to his teammates and they're having the reaction that they are mm-hmm. is showing me that this is serious, that he's taking this serious. And I think if he comes back and plays, I think, like I said, you all got some booze when he said support our brother, Ben, mm-hmm. but like, I think if Ben comes out and he balls and like, like you said, if he takes a few jump shots, like they don't have to be three pointers. They can, if he wants to, but like mm-hmm. if he's showing more aggression, a more willingness to expand his game and at least try, mm-hmm. because that's the whole thing about this is trying. Yeah. So let's go ahead and switch gears one more time. We're going to talk about the the NBA as a whole, and there's been a lot of surprises in this season to begin with. So you're right. What are two teams, the top 10 by record, that has been the most surprising to you? The top 10 teams, let me name them off first before you go through. Number one, Golden State. Number two, New York Knicks. Number three, Washington Wizards. Number four, Chicago Bulls. Number five, Miami Heat. Number six, Utah Jazz. Number seven, Denver Nuggets. Number eight. H Charlotte Hornets, number nine Philly, and number tied for number ten is a three-team tie, and that is with Dallas, Sacramento, and Portland. With Dallas having the tiebreaker right now. Well, first I want to mention a couple of teams that I think everyone would agree that are supposed to be there. That would be Miami, Denver, and Utah. Very mm-hmm. solid teams. They have some continuity going on with yeah keeping key roster players in the offseason. But the two teams, Lucas, that I would say has to be Chicago Bulls. And I know a lot of people were were really, really on on that on that Chicago train because of some of the, the, the additions they made. But five and one and being at the top of the NBA right now, that that's a surprise to me. Very big surprise. Because usually with all the talent, it takes some time to gel, but they just got right into it. And I think that's a I think that's a really great we can attribute that to Lonzo Ball. Lonzo really Ball, great. Billy Donovan's not a scrub when it comes right. to being Donovan's a coach. Right, Donovan's a good coach, right. And Lonzo Ball, I, I've always liked him as a playmaker. I don't like it. See, then this you bring up Lonzo Ball, and I'm just, I don't mean to hijack your point, but let me just say this real quick. He's been on teams two, the, two out of his first four seasons. He was on teams where he wasn't allowed to be the primary ball handler because he was sharing the court with either LeBron James or Zion Williams. 
Now he gets to be the guy because they were like, we bring you in to orchestrate the the ball, make sure guys like DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine and Vucevic gets their touches. You're going to get yours, but you're going to be the primary initiator in this offense. And yeah. it's working. Yeah. And then speaking of a ball brother, right? We have mm-hmm. Lonzo and then we have LaMelo, who mm-hmm. I think a lot of people were surprised that he's going into his sophomore season even better than how he ended his rookie season mm-hmm. and to have Charlotte at four and two. And I know it's four and two, six games, but they look good, man. They do. He, he's setting up some of his teammates. He's, he's making some really nice shots. He's making some nice reads in the paint. And they're uh, doing this without Terry, Terry Rozier too. Right. He did just come back. I think he played tonight or last night. And he did play one game prior too, but yeah, but still, point still stands. he is, he is the star of that team. He is definitely the star. Of that he, team. he has the, potential be the face of the nba if he continues to whoa develop. whoa whoa face of the nba i think so not right now it's going to take him like 10 or so years before he's a chance shot at that that's a like, hot take that's a lucas johnson hot take. that is a lucas johnson hot take <laughs> I, it I might like not be yellow. it, I like it might it might not be in charlotte he might have to go to a different team to be that face but if he keeps yeah. on developing uriah this well, sky's the limit for this kid. Yeah. What about you? What two teams stand out to you? So I'm going to pull two teams. And before I do that, you before the podcast, we were talking about this. The New York Knicks. Now, I didn't have them because I expected Tom Thibodeau to take every regular ge- season game seriously. But the Knicks are 5-1. and one. Looks like the best defense in the NBA. Offense has clearly gotten better. This team can be a problem. They play like this during the playoffs. This team can be a problem. Um, that being said, my two main teams are the Golden State Warriors. We expected them to kind of like hover around. We weren't expecting them to be like an elite team. We thought they would be like a maybe a five through like eight seed in the West. But they're the best team in the West. Steph on two bad Steph Curry performances. This supporting cast is playing like the Golden State team did in 2015 when they won their first title. Drummond is looking better than he had in years. And Jordan Poole is looking like a steal from, what was it, the 2019 draft? Yeah, Poole's looking good. Yeah, Poole's looking good. He's going to be a really good sixth man for him once Clay gets back. And by the way, Clay's not even playing yet. Neither is James Wiseman. They're not going to get worse with James Wiseman. That's crazy to think, yeah. Yeah, they're not going to get worse with Clay Thompson. These guys are in... Iggy looks better than he did in Miami. Like He's still not going to be Iggy from old, but Andre Iguodala is going to be a contributor for that team. I can't believe you just brought up Andre Iguodala. I'm sorry, keep going. <laughs> what, what? What's wrong with Iggy? Come on, man. Dude's 48 years old. I mean, he, he he's does getting look like, like probably 15 minutes a game. His his hair is bald. Not that. Oh, uh, I mean, balding, I, but... I noticed it too. <laughs> I I noticed that. I noticed that last you year. Miami. At, I was just. You had me at Jordan Poole. Yeah. <laughs> You're reaching. No, You're reaching. enough enough East Lander because he is a, a former Sixer, the face of the franchise after AI left. But the other team that I'm going to talk about here is the Washington Wizards. They got rid of Russell Westbrook for a bunch of role players and Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, Contavious Caldwell Pope, and a first-round pick that I think became, what, Isaiah Todd? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So, and for and addition by subtraction in this case, because let me tell you something, they're a deep team. They're deep at least two, like they have two starter level players, or at least two role players, you know, quality role players at each position, except for maybe point guard. I'm still not in love with their point guard rotation, but that's, anyway. My point being is that their deep team, the chemistry and on-court plays better. And honestly, Bradley Beal hasn't looked spectacular to begin the season yet. Well, when you, Spencer, when you have Spencer Dinwiddie and Kyle Kuzma, who I have on my fantasy team, this Kyle Kuzma's yeah, double-digit boards a game. Yeah, yeah. This dude is he's 13 and 11. Thir- 13 yeah. and 11. Can't be mad at that. He's not even supposed to start once Rui Hachimura comes back. You got, they might want to rethink that. I they might want to rethink it, around. honestly, because Kyle Kuzma is a starter-level player. I thought he was going to be more of a scorer, but actually he's more of a two-way player. Good yeah. for you, Kuz. Yeah, like, I wasn't really. expecting that. Uh, considering that Dinwiddie's coming back from a torn ACL, I mean, he has his ups and downs, but he's a starter-level point guard. You got a three-headed monster rotation at center once both uh, Daniel Gafford and um, – Oh gosh, what's his name? Bryant. What's his first name? Uh, Mark Mark Bryant. No, no. Oh wow, that's Thomas a Bryant. Thomas, Thomas Bryant. Bryant. Yeah. Mark Bryant is a throwback. Yeah, yeah. Is a that's throwback. a Laker throwback there. Anyway, um, but no, um, yeah, and they they look good. They look, and you know, they still got some young talent. Like this, this Wizards team is deep. They they play a certain way. They've embraced that way of playing, and it works. Yeah. And they and Wes Unsell Jr. the the head coach. Yeah. He is doing fantastic job with that group. Yeah. Congrats to that good dude. He should yeah. have gotten a job long before this, but I'm glad that he got a job where he did, and he's making this group look really good. So that those are my two teams that I've been very impressed with. So Uriah, we talked about the teams that we're impressed with, but what are two teams outside of the top ten that that stand out for you that, in you know, a negative way per se? Well, we can't. I don't think we can really jump the gun on the Lakers and Brooklyn. I think they're they're missing some players. They've been hurt. Uh, I would say the Clippers to be one and four. Paul George has had to score forty points several times this season, even though Kawhi Leonard's out. They should be better than one and four. Well, I think they aren't they missing um, Markeith Marcus Morris as well. Come on, man, role player. I mean, he was averaging like he, he was averaging thir- fifteen last year. He's not he's not a difference maker. I mean, he's he's a he, I mean, what mid mid level exemption? He's an okay player, but you're missing Kawhi Leonard. But still, they I think they should be better than one and four. And the other team has to be Phoenix. To, to be two and three after going to the NBA finals so early in the season. It's not like they have a lot of injuries, but um, I there is some suspect that maybe the new rule changes of the ticky-tack fouls going away because they're clamping down on, on all those fouls. Maybe Booker is not getting the calls and his numbers are down, but I would say Phoenix I expected more and definitely. To well, play. I'll say this about Phoenix. You also have the – a contract extension issue between Aiden oh. and the front office. But is that affecting his play though? DeAndre Aiden? I, I, I haven't seen his averages, but I mean, whenever I see him in the box score, the scoring is not as good as I thought it would be. Right. Um, but so I, maybe, and I mean, Chris Paul is another year older and they are without, um, 
They haven't been with um, what's his name, uh, Cam Payne for most of the season either. Yeah. Look, I mean, he's a good DeAndre Ayton. He's had rebounds 12, 21, and 15. That's pretty good. Points yeah. 17, 21, 15, and he had a couple games where he had eight points. So it's not like he's, okay. he's like, you know, stinking up the joint. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair yeah. enough. What about you? What are some teams that are underperforming right now? Well, I, I, I will agree with you on the Lakers that I think it's going to take some time for their new roster to mesh because you literally only have three players returning. Um, the other thing that I want, but I, I don't agree with you on the nets because mm-hmm. James Harden and Kevin Durant should be enough. Now I will give you this. Harden looks it, like he's not completely healthy either. Yeah. he's getting Just like Joel. I think he's struggling with health, yeah. but that bench is very suspect. Uriah. Yeah. Patty Mills is a bench player, but he's a good bench player. But outside of that, what Paul Paul Millsap and Blake Griffin and, and, LaMarcus. and all, Lamarcus Aldridge, oh all goodness. guys who are closer to retirement. Yeah, they're close to getting their pension from the NBA. I mean, you're he, Lamarcus was literally retired for half a season. Yeah, he had a uh, health issue. He, he and honestly, he, he and honestly, Lamarcus has looked the best out of those three. He has, especially against the Sixers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I mean, you got Javon Carter, who's a good defender, but he's this point like they people don't respect the jump shot enough if they should or not that's not the point he just doesn't take enough yeah and nick claxton is injured right now but he hasn't shown taken a step yet like the the bench is suspect here and joe harris is not looking like joe harris from last year yeah um so i i'm a little concerned about the nets but i think long term they'll be okay the other team that i want to talk about here is it's gotta be and i know i said somebody else and i but thinking about it more mm-hmm. i i was originally going to go with the bucks but they've been injured so i'm actually not going to go with them i'm going to say the portland trailblazers they're three and two so they're tied with dallas for 10th but here's the issue i'm seeing dame lillard is not looking like Dame Lillard. Now, you mentioned the rule change before. I think that's part of it. No, nah, he got married. <laughs> that's, that that wedding weight, let me tell you something. <laughs> you, you and me both know that wedding weight is real. But, but no. Yeah, the transition. Is, but, yeah. but seriously, though, seriously, I think, I mean, Chauncey Billups has not been looking great as a head coach. He's already called his team out for effort at the beginning of the season. I'm not, I'm not a fan of that. You, that's not a, that's not a word that you use throw lightly around. Plus, plus Dame played in the Olympics. Like you Dame's exhausted. You guys, yeah, like that, or Chris brought that up. And, and he's 31 years old. Like, and the amount of miles that he has on his body, like maybe he just needs some time. I mean, CJ has looked good, but like everybody else, like I mean. Larry Nance is a good defender, but he's limited offensively. Roko hasn't looked great. Nurkic hasn't looked good. And I just, like, I just need, I just need Portland to go on a ten-game losing streak. Yeah, <laughs> so let's see what game. happens. Either so that they get, get really, really ticked off. Either, either Dane gets, you know, ticked off and asked to leave, or you know, they get, they get uh, desperate in a trying to get Ben to save them. And they offer like the mother load for Ben, not including Dame. Like either way, you know the ideal would be Dame, but if it doesn't happen that way, you you get a mother load for Ben. 
Um, but yeah, I think Portland is a team, and I think the Sixers play them tomorrow. We're recording, yeah. like I said, on Sunday night, Halloween night. But um, they're a team that the Sixers fans should definitely be keeping an eye on because they could go either way right now. Oh, they are. They are. I think. Mm-hmm. I think Philly fans are more optimistic about what's going on in Portland with the Wizards. Wizards just keep winning. Yeah, inexplicable, but they keep mm-hmm. winning. Well, you're right. You want to go ahead and play us out. I think we're about done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to everyone who follows us on social media, to all of our fans, uh, we appreciate your support. We appreciate you tuning in. Please don't hesitate to subscribe. We're on pretty much every platform, whether it's Google Play, Spotify, obviously Audible, and you can always check out the podcast on thesixersense.com. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Thanks again for tuning in. On behalf of Lucas and myself, this is the Six or Sense Podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.